Wow. So what you're telling me, Josh, is it's been a minute since Oklahoma has beaten a one seed, right? Since they've beaten a number one AP team. AP, it's sorry. It's been a minute. One seed, too. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Unreal. Welcome back into the Plank Show. Right here on The Ref with Josh Elmer. I'm Chris Plankward. Cavins Construction Day is Joey. Ready to roll with us on this Thursday? I guess it would help if I called him real quick. So I got caught up oh, looking at these yeah. <laughs> these AP numbers. 2002, is that right? Did you tell me? Last time? It seems crazy. I feel like there was a win over Kansas as a one seed at some – I, I keep saying one seed. Number one ranked team in the country at some point. Ah, we'll get to it. Hey, if you're just tuning in today, welcome to the Plank Show uh, with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. We're always uh, rolling on Twitter. At Josh on Ref, I'm at Plank Show. Everybody should be following us at Sports Talk 1400 at 947. The Ref. Big news this morning in the NFL. Now, on the Sooner side of things, a little quiet. A lot of reaction to the Oklahoma win over West Virginia, which the post game show just got posted on the Sooner Sports Podcast. If you want to check that out, women's team wins uh, over Oklahoma State last night. OU's got a big one Saturday. Needs you at the LNC, two o'clock against Texas, but. Um, AFC NFC Championship game is set. That big news. Nathaniel Hackett, new head coach at Denver. Matt uh, Eberfleece, I, I believe is how you say his name, new head coach at Chicago. Looks like Byron Leftwich is going to be the new head coach of the Jaguars. And Big Ben has retired. But everyone's mind is on Cruton. Joey Helmer joins us. Joey, what a wild time, right? I mean, it, it, we're, we're wrapping up the 2022 class in advance of the signing day on Wednesday. 2023 is is seeing tons of offers go out year 2024 buzz but I, I do want to start with Gentry Williams and how big was it to see this staff be able to solidify that huge obviously really huge and um, I, I feel like uh, Oklahoma was confident that they were going to go ahead and uh, get this thing solidified but uh, obviously as a guy that uh, did, did not sign during the, the early period. You wanted to go ahead and lock him down, and um, that's exactly what Oklahoma has done here. So, um, yeah, you, you, you really – and I know that, uh, that Bob was on the other day and talked about uh, kind of their philosophy on in-state kids and uh, being able to um, – <laughs> You know, if you make a mistake, make a mistake on the in-state kids. Well, there's not going to be a mistake made here on Gentry Williams, first off. But um, second off, the emphasis on uh, getting those, simply, you know, being able to get those in-state kids and lock them down. And um, I think that's an emphasis that you're certainly going to see from Brent Venables um, as he (laughs) takes over and uh, establishes his program and, uh, that's certainly why that's important to have got Gentry Williams to, to go ahead and uh, be part of the program moving forward, and that's the case here. All right, so um, I'm workshopping a take, and I've heard a couple of people allude to this. So, Joey, I need your help. Josh, I need your help. This isn't meant to be anything to bash on anyone that was here before. But when you see the analysts that are jumping on board, you see the ties to Oklahoma, um, and you know how deep this roster of coaches and analysts and uh, quality control people are going to be, 
do you do you get the sense, and as corny as it sounds, that it's really building that family atmosphere to where you just don't say, hey, we're family, but it truly is there because, you know, they talk about that holistic approach to recruiting, Joey, but, you know, you go beyond just, hey, I want you to sign and come play here. I can get you ready for the NFL. It really seems as if it is an OU-focused thing, and it's sooner guys who have been through the same things that you are going to go through, and they can lend an ear when things are good and when things are bad. I just, I don't know, I, I it might sound cheesy, but I really get the sense when I ask the question what's really changed, I get the sense that Brent Venables is building a massive family here. Well, I'll say this. I, I think that not all programs are necessarily uh, – predicated or need to be predicated on that but Oklahoma is one I feel that needs to be it it has to be a family Uh, when you look at kind of the scope of uh, what Oklahoma's dealing with uh, it's not to say that (laughs) you know I want to say this the right way but Oklahoma doesn't have the biggest talent pool uh, when you compare to uh, maybe even like Texas or uh, right. Florida or, you know, USC has that incredible talent pool out in California. And uh, Oklahoma has some really, really good high school players, no doubt about it. But I think you have to, for that reason, maybe establish um, a family and uh, the mindset with your players and also with your coaching staff. And so uh, I think you're definitely on to something there. And um, I don't want to speak, you know, out of grounds about something I'm, I'm not 100, 100% sure about, but I'm not so sure that Lincoln Riley had that family mindset in the way that it needed to be here at Oklahoma. And uh, that's something you're obviously seeing with Brent Vittables and uh, a guy that truly cares about the program and um, for a large part grew up. Um, in this program, obviously he played at Kansas State and uh, things like that and grew up in Kansas, but he's been around this program. It gets the family mindset of the program. And so I, I absolutely think you're right in, in making that statement, having that sentiment. Hmm. You know, the one thing that is, is fascinating about this is I, I was looking at some numbers, and I think that uh, I heard this mentioned somewhere that since Billy Napier has been hired at Florida, he's hired like 45 people. Uh, and I think that number is around 30 for Brent Venables right now. And, and, and obviously, whenever you consider the offensive coaching staff was pretty much already in place. But, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, Joey. I feel like we're pretty set. Maybe a few analysts will be added here or there. But do you expect anything more on the strength side or on the coaching side or any potential other moves that we should be keeping our eye on? Yeah, we'll see. I, I think the one thing I will say is there's been a, a very, very heavy focus on you know all of these uh, quality control, the support staff, the hires that Brent Venables has made here. And um, I think, that's a very important part of your program. You mentioned Napier at Florida. Uh, obviously, he brought Ty Darlington down there. I think a guy that um, is going to have a really good career. I think he'll help that program there. But, yeah, these, these are important hires. It's not just your on-field personnel uh, that, that's important in terms of building your program. 
it's all all of the behind the scenes uh, different hires that you can make. And Brent Venables has clearly put a heavy emphasis on that. What's Oklahoma's best position group heading into next season? Oof, good question. Good, good question. <laughs> um, you, you look and there's so much turnover. Obviously, you've had um, the <laughs> all, all the exits on the uh, wide receiver core, but you got Marvin Mims coming back there. Um, the quarterback situation, um, <laughs> running backs. You brought some, got some guys uh, coming in. Luke Kennedy Brooks is going to be a big loss. I, but we'll see. You, you know, it, I think you brought some good guys on the defensive side of the ball, like Kinnick. I, I would say it's a wait and see type situation. If you ask me right now, uh, what's the best position? I really like what. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is going to bring uh, at the quarterback position. And, and I feel uh, when you look at uh, – I, I don't think Oklahoma is necessarily going to hurt as much from not having Caleb Williams as maybe people think. I Once Jeff Levy is able to get his system in, which Gabriel obviously knows that, uh, I've looked at – and Josh, we talked about this the other day, and I kind of made a comment at dinner that – some of the early Heisman lists, well, they don't have Dylan Gabriel on it, but <laughs> Dylan Gabriel at the end of the season next year, we might be looking up and uh, this could be a guy that could be in the Heisman race. That might be kind of a lofty prediction, but uh, <laughs> I- I'm throwing that out there so people can kind of talk about that right now. But um, in terms of the the best position, uh, but I kind of think it's a wait and see and uh, what I like what Oklahoma has, though, how they've responded to uh, all this transfer uh, portal, uh, the um, defections from the program in terms and who they've been able to bring in. Hey, speaking of the quarterback position, um, gosh, there is there is so much still to get to, right, with – the future of Caleb, which I think we've all agreed that ship sailed. We're not worried about, but we're intrigued by where he lands. But I'm, I, I'm curious to get your perspective on Jackson Dart and where we are on that front. Yeah, it, it sounds like the the latest. I know our Chris Hummer put in a uh, crystal ball this morning for Old Bess, and so seems like maybe things are trending in that direction here. Um, I, I had to wonder about that. The longer it goes, uh, it was one of those deals where maybe um, Oklahoma was not going to end up on the right side of this thing. And, and I will say that, again, after my previous comments, I, I feel like Oklahoma, you look and they're, they're in a good spot with Dylan Gabriel. I think they really are. And uh, this is a guy that uh, certainly fits every part of what Jeff Levy is going to want to do. And uh, then you project moving ahead. Oklahoma just got a commitment from Jackson Arnold, from Denton Geyer. Sure. So uh, you look to the uh, the kind of the future, all the pieces really seem to be fitting with or without Jackson's art. And uh, obviously Oklahoma would like to bring him in and, um, they would love to have him in the fold as part of that plan moving forward. But uh, Oklahoma, I feel, is going to be fine either way here. 
you know, I'm with you. But it just seems, Joey, that everyone is so consumed with the potential of a Jackson Dart. And I get it. I, I, I know he's pretty special. And then in that, this whole process, right, the guys have played the social media game well. Uh, hey, give me more followers. Or, or what do you think I look like in this uniform? And I get it, and it's part of the fun. You and I are thinking the same way here, right? Dylan Gabriel's a guy, we're good. And and you sign a guy and, and you get Jackson on, you're good. But yet I just, I can't help but wonder why this is dragging out so long. Why is this taking so long? And I, we opened the show with it and we kind of laughed about how people are still freaking out. And I'm, here I am, two questions deep asking you about it. Why is there such a delay in what Caleb is going to do and what Jackson Dart is going to do? And why are we still seemingly consumed with it? Gosh, I, I just don't know. And yes, I feel the same way as you. It's like, why, what, what are, what, what are we waiting on here? Like, you know, you, if Oklahoma is not part of the picture and you really want to go to Ole Miss, then go to Ole Miss. I mean, if you feel good about that decision, what, what are we waiting on? Especially with Caleb Williams, though. It's like, how, how long are we going to draw this thing out? Brandon and, and Parker, said a couple weeks back that Wisconsin was a very distinct possibility and uh, here we are this week and now that news is uh, suddenly becoming public but I it's it's crazy how long this thing is strung out and uh, when a decision is going to officially be made we'll see it, it could be five minutes from now now that I said that but it's <laughs> crazy that uh, that it has taken this long and it's been just so interesting to follow all the dynamics of it because of that. But yeah, it, I, I, I'm in the same boat. It, it's like, get it over with and let's get it done with. Hey, big win for the Sooner men last night, much needed over West Virginia. What did you think of that? And then, uh, well, chances at Auburn. They had to have that game. They, they absolutely had to have that game. It's about as, much of a must win at this point in the season as you could possibly have. And yet saying that I look and going into that game last night, Oklahoma was like 34th, I think in Kim Palm coming off a four game losing streak. And, you know, very, very rarely are you in the top like 35 in Kim Palm and don't make the tournament. So uh, Oklahoma was in a still a pretty good position, regardless of uh, what the overall entire situation was in terms of the wins and losses, and uh, and yet it still felt like with that daunting Auburn game this weekend that they had to have a victory last night. By the way, they've moved up to 30th in Ken Palm, so uh, that's mm. a really solid position to be in right now. Uh, but at this point in the season is, you know, you're about to roll into February here. I think this game this weekend, uh, Oklahoma is kind of playing with house money. No no one expects them to go in and win at Auburn. And yet, if you do, man, what, what a huge, huge, huge win that would be in terms of your resume. And then you probably start to talk about seeding at that point because – uh, Oklahoma has collected some nice wins uh, this year. So, um, yeah, yeah, though, it, it's 
a situation where Oklahoma feels a lot better uh, right now than they did uh, 24 hours ago. So, and the schedule's going to uh, tread lightly on this, but uh, I say the schedule's going to loosen, lighten up a little bit. <laughs> if yet we're comparing that to what Oklahoma has went through over the last couple of weeks, but uh, games against TCU, Oklahoma State, and um, you know even Texas here, three of the next five after this Auburn game sound a lot better than the stretch that they've went through here in the last four or five, four games or so. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I hope they can continue to roll. Joe, you're awesome. Have a great rest of your day, man. Go check Joey out on Twitter, uh, at JoeHelmer247, and, of course, at OUinsider.com. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime. Big brother, Joey Helmer. We've got some interesting break. This has been a great day for breaking news in the NFL. So we've got three head coaches that have been hired. And of the three that have been, well, two that have been hired for sure, one allegedly, but none of them are Dan Quinn. And apparently there's a reason why, Cowboy fans. We'll tell you next. Plus, we continue to wait uh, and see what's next on the recruiting side of things. Brent Venables is everywhere, guys. It's awesome to see. And we'll tell you about it next on the Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show on the road today at Cavens Construction. Real quick, before we get to Bama, Tom, let me pay off this breaking news. Which I guess is maybe unfair to say breaking. It's been out there for about the last 45 minutes. But, oh, first of all, the Jaguars-Byron Leftwich deal may not be done because the New Orleans Saints have now requested permission to interview Byron Leftwich. The other Saints candidates believed to be Dennis Allen, who was fantastic as the Raiders head coach, and Aaron Glenn. That's sarcasm, by the way. And are you buying Josh Helmer that Dan Quinn let teams know that he was staying with the Cowboys as their D.C. and wouldn't take a head coach's job? You buying that right now? Uh, No, I would not be buying that. Interesting, though, right? If, you know, you think about there's still six vacancies out there, and he's been mentioned to the Giants and others. I wonder... I wonder if a lot of this was somewhat agent-created, too. But Albert Breer has a lengthy report on it. I mean, you can pull it up at Albert Breer on Twitter. But I I guess the week whenever he filled in for Mike McCarthy during COVID, he had fun, but he's like, yeah, I don't think I want to be a head coach again. So maybe. I mean, the dude did take the Falcons to the Super Bowl, but also blew a 28-3 lead in said game with Kyle Shanahan and his offensive coordinator. But I don't know. I, I, I want to take him at his word, but it also seems as if it also seems as if you're in a situation where maybe, just maybe, he started to realize he wasn't going to get a job and was able to get that cash jacked up at his Cowboys defensive coordinator's gig, right? <laughs> right. Perhaps. It just seems odd when you're a candidate for like six jobs and suddenly you're like, nope, don't want him. I'm gonna stay as the, I would stay as the DC of the Cowboys. I mean, or, maybe or, maybe you talk to a couple of these franchises, you you interview and you realize, I I don't like the fit, not where I want to be, don't like the direction they're heading, and then you say, you know what, I, 
it's not all bad. Less pressure, less stress. Got a good thing going in Dallas, even though it didn't look like that uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> but uh, got a good thing going in Dallas. Maybe, just maybe, there's a, hey, listen, don't go anywhere. Listen, I know Sean Payton's out there, but you're our next guy. Just just stick with us. You don't need to worry about that. All right, Bama Tom, get in here. What's going on, Bama Tom? How are hey, you guys, on this Thursday? Um, hey, Tom. The issue with the OU quarterback and other teams' quarterbacks reminds me of my Packers, Aaron Rodgers, because after uh, living in Birmingham and Montgomery for my first five years. We moved to Wauwatosa, where Michael was born, which is called the Tosa outside of Milwaukee. And that's when I became a Packers fan. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, God bless him, is a kookaburra. And all that controversy with how he led everybody on and all the unnecessary drama is the same thing with Caleb Williams and these other transfer portals. Because the quarterback is the most singular important position in Division yeah. One and the NFL. And so not having that certainty of that leader of the team and that offensive production is, is agonizing. And so that's what you're dealing with. That's the agony you're experiencing. That angst is, wait a minute, I thought we had the next two or maybe three years with Caleb. What's, what's this? And right. I think it's really weird that he did the bowl game and you guys won and did a, had a great game, and then he enters the portal. It, it just makes no sense other than if he had the satisfaction of, look, I finished the season, I finished the bowl game, I was loyal, but now my coach wasn't loyal. I don't know who the new coach is going to be, or maybe I don't like the new coach or want a new coach, so I'm out of here. But the rumors of him going to Wisconsin are literally insane. I cannot – fathom why he would want to go to Wisconsin of all places. Um, on another note, what drives me crazy with my Crimson Tide, Bishop McGinnis, and Green Bay is when my team has the ball inside the 10, and we can't punch it in. If you look at efficiency, look at the New England Patriots the last 20 years. Inside the 10-yard line, they've been devastating at getting touchdowns. Anyway, I'm out. That's all I got. Bye-bye. All right, see you, buddy. Yeah. Um, AJ Dillon's a major reason. What, is, what does that mean? I have to look it's that up. Uh, it's a bird. Okay, so he's saying he's crazy. He's a crazy person. Yeah, I'm trying when to I look figure up out Kukaburo. if there's something about, like, kookaburras. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Don't like to stay in one place or something? I didn't know what that meant. Powering ready-made meal business is also. It's uh, it's a business, kookaburro.com, that you can check out, Josh. Uh, did you see the how uh, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, since – Bama Tom brought it up, was very much in the in the news yesterday because he again readjusted his timeline for everyone. I'd like to, again, be respectful uh, of the organization. One decision that, that will be upcoming will be obviously Devontae and his future with the team. There still is this thing called the franchise tag, which I think... You know, don't think seventeen wants uh, wants the franchise. Like no player ever wants the franchise. Ever. I think that should be enough time to make a decision. Um, by then, um, I don't want to put myself on a specific date, but uh, again, I do want to be sensitive to uh, Devonte and many other guys who uh, you know have decisions to make on their own futures. And to drag it out past free agency would be disrespectful to the organization and to those guys. And that one hundred percent will not happen. Yeah. There you go. 
So if you're worried about that timeline, there's there's that, Josh Helmer, which you firmly, 100%, do not believe in. <laughs> you think that this thing could drag out as long as he potentially wants. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, welcome to the, like, I almost said summer, the offseason of A-Aaron Talk nonstop. We're just getting going. Uh, Tom Brady going to be a big piece of that puzzle as well. The the saga of Tom and Aaron. Will they play again or not? I I don't. I mean, I think it'd be shocking if Aaron Rodgers chooses to step away. I don't see that happening. Uh, I think he's going to end up back in Green Bay again. That's just me. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, Tom Brady. I think it's a serious discussion that this might be it. I think okay. Listen, this is a hopeful uh, week after the Super Bowl conversation, right? So we're, I don't want to be giving up all the good stuff here this early in the NFL, quote-unquote, offseason for all the teams that weren't good enough to make the championship game. But right now, I think there's a better chance that Tom Brady retires and Aaron Rodgers takes a snap for a team other than Green Bay. And I love – I love this old Green Bay. The time to rebuild is now. What the hell are you talking about? They <laughs> they had the one seed and had home field advantage and got beat by their arch nemesis in the playoffs, who just has their number. Um, they've got they're, they're going to give Devontae Adams what he wants to try to keep him around. I would assume. Um, you you feel like I know Jordan Love looked terrible, but you you put an investment in there with a first round pick to him. You've got two great running backs in Jones and Dylan. You've got a really good defense. I mean, my gosh, people, calm down. You were the number one seed in the NFC. That didn't just happen by accident. The Packers' time to rebuild is now. In what universe? I I say this a lot. And, and I know that no one, and analytics people, statistical gurus, don't want to hear it. But you ready? Here we go. Tanking and rebuilding sucks, and it doesn't always work. In fact, I would say more often than not, it doesn't work. Um, have the Sixers won a title since the process? No. Haven't even come close. Um. You know, the, the, the Bengals are interesting, but the Bengals aren't one of these franchises that had a run and decided to take a season. They've always been bad. They've failed n- numerous times at, at top picks and guys who pan out. They got lucky with Burrow, and actually, if you think about that season, you want to talk about how lucky Cincinnati got? Miami beat, what was it, Brady in the last week of the season? Won like their last two games, which knocked them out of the top spot in the draft because Brian Flores is a good coach. Tanking sucks. Rebuilding blows. If you don't have to do it, don't do it. Is there any guarantee that in two years from now, the Thunder are going to be battling for the top spot in the West? Absolutely not. No. And there's there's no guarantee that in two years from now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander won't say, you know what, I'm approaching 30 I, I'm done. I want out. And the track record of Sam Presti has been, guess what? He, if somebody comes knocking on the door and says, hey, trade me, they've gotten traded in Oklahoma City. Right. So, no, you listen, when you've got something going and you're winning, it's not the craziest thing 
to stick with it and want to keep winning instead of trying to rebuild. Hey, can I share a text? This this would be shifting gears here from the National Football League. Absolutely. This is from the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. This is from Doug from Norman. And I don't uh, I don't want this to sound like I'm attacking you directly, Doug, but listen, I disagree with some of what you said here. OU followers since Tommy McDonald and Bud Wilkinson. I find it amazing how the KREF Radio Voices narrative and the carefully chosen guests have taken the unprofessional and juvenile name-calling approach to the whole Lincoln-Riley and outgoing transfer portal saga. The coach and the players who left could do no wrong and were heralded 90 days ago. Ref people sat next to the coach at Rudy's and praised them all. Then the coach and some players have left for better, maybe, opportunities, and suddenly they are all cast as villains because they somehow have violated the Sooner Nation. This radio station didn't say a negative word about the conference backstabbing that occurred last summer when OU and Texas left the rest of the Big 12 world hanging in the wind. The hypocrisy is amazing. Okay, Plank, before you jump in, i got a couple of things that I want to respond to this texter with. I think that's Bob from Cement, actually, because that's the text he always sends me. Uh, oh, you didn't have a problem with Lincoln Riley whenever he was there a couple months ago. Well, yeah, he hadn't stabbed us in the back yet, so there's number one. I mean, right. Well, I- that's that's kind of like an obvious response. I didn't have a problem with my wife until she cheated on me. I mean, I said great things about it. Then when I found her with another man, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm, being, I'm not saying that about my wife. I'm just using that as an example. Sorry. A man is laughing at me right now. It was like, oh, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, your eyes are open to some things. Anyway, I'm sorry, Josh. Go ahead. I, I, well, first of all, I wanted to defend you because on this show, we've not used the man from Mule Shoe. I mean, that's not been this yeah, show. So I'm, clearly, you're not, not listening you're to listening us. You're listening to the wrong show. We, we say Lincoln Riley on this show, and I've got no problem having some fun with it. But don't lump us in. Don't lump Toby Rowland in. And I don't think Teddy necessarily has done that in the afternoon. So that's not really a fair thing to say about us and just the entirety of this station that there's just been name calling earlier this morning i said that lincoln riley has done a really good job with quarterbacks on 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 this radio station i said that earlier this morning Uh that it's revisionist history to sit here and talk about lincoln riley's not good at developing quarterbacks so that was said by me on this radio program earlier this morning yeah i don't i mean that's fine Okay, great. You're probably right whenever it comes to not being critical. But then when you get away from things, are you not allowed to maybe have a little different perspective? Like why why were there consistent losses to double-digit favorites, right? Are you not allowed to ask those questions and maybe have a little bit of a different perspective? This idea that you're supposed to just turn to someone and be as as disappointed in them or as angry with them at times, whenever you feel like they're going to be there for a decade, then you are, when they actually leave, kind of in the in the middle of the night. I, I don't I don't understand how you could not see why that would be different. And I don't know if you've listened to Ted, but Ted has been pretty open about some of his criticism for day one, so it's fine. Paint it with all one broad stroke, but trust me, if any coach would have done what Lincoln Riley did in the way that he left, everyone would kind of start looking at things a little bit differently outside of, say, Alabama. 
or Georgia for the last couple of years. You start looking and be like, oh, okay, so that was kind of weird, or that seemed a little bit odd, or why didn't that happen? It's it's natural, man. Hey, I'll tell you something, bro. It happened whatever job you left. You might think everyone loves you, but as soon as you left, you're like, the dude sucked. I mean, I couldn't stand. Think about this. I know we were making money, but he did like this. It's just it's human nature. It's the reality of the world that we live in. I got to deal with it. When I think about when I left Tulsa, I thought I left everything good. I really do. I left good. I gave plenty of notice, but I'm willing to bet as soon as I walked out that door, DC was like, plank, he didn't do anything. It's just it's the reality of it. And we get this platform in order to be more boisterous with it than, well, you. I have to, uh, I mean, we have to take a a break. But can I say one more thing real quick before we do about the move from the Big 12 to the SEC? I I think I've said in the past, I mean, Oklahoma and Texas clearly have put the rest of the members of this conference in a bad position. They jeopardize their futures. I feel like I've said that before. But my stance on it is, yes, for Oklahoma, it's good business for the university. Is it, I mean, was it necessarily the, the nicest thing in the world? No, of course not. It was cutthroat. But... And in some ways, what Lincoln Riley has done to Oklahoma, you can you can describe the same way. So, I, I mean, I think that's fair to say on both accounts. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, everyone's going to be entitled to that kind of opinion, and that's fine. But I just – I don't – I've never really understood that take. It does, Well, you didn't say anything about him whenever he was there. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, you can go I back was, and – I was pretty I, critical on the postgame show. I can guarantee you I, that. I think you can listen back to some of the post-game shows on this show and the Mondays afterwards. I'm always a homer on all my teams. I mean, I'm always a glass-out-full kind of a guy. So that's just my my nature. Uh, and I'll get mad when they lose, but I was like, hey, we'll go get them tomorrow. All right, quick break. Uh, when we come back, <laughs> when we come back, news according to Josh, uh, we got to get out of here, too, at some point. So we're live from Cavens on a Thursday with a Plank Show. Uh, Rickmon, Rickmon on Twitter writes, sounds like somebody from OSU or Texas may be trolling here. Doug's got to be in his 80s to go back to the Tommy McDonald days. Seems a bit sus. I mean, does a guy that old really know how to text? Refer to the progressive like your parents commercials. Now, hey, listen, I'm telling you, that's, that is almost a carbon copy BFC take carbon copy um and our man i believe crimson right easy fix turn the station listen that's fine i i love everyone's opinion it's why i probably spend way too much time on twitter some of you really make me angry and i wonder what crazy world you live in but i respect your opinion i'm not real big on the tebow stuff or the lincoln stuff and i know that a lot of people don't want to admit to it, but Lincoln did some great things for OU football. Sure he did. I mean, so he made it just, a seamless transition from Bob Stoops, which is no easy task. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. But I I think Oklahoma is about to be better over the next five years. It might take a season to get there. But I, I think they're good. I think they're going to be good. Anyway, uh, we got much more than just that to get to. Do you want to – Here's my question for you. i got a couple of other Twitter things I want to hit. It's already 1147. For those who don't know, our break times are supposed to be 15, 30, 45. We took that last break at 41. 
So it gets or 42, actually. So if you want to catch up, I got two quick Twitter things to hit, and then we can go ahead and hit the news heading out the door. Yeah, I'm good with that, for okay. sure. All right. All right. Um, two things. Number one, I, I think a fascinating storyline to follow is going to be who ends up as the voice of the Amazon TV football package. And I think it's going to be fascinating to follow mm-hmm. because I don't know if you saw this, but what, what did Netflix lose like $50 billion the other day? So I, I think we're getting into a situation where some of these streaming services are going to start taking a more in-depth look at the possibility of sports. And it's worked for Amazon and now with the NFL exclusive. They're going to spend money. It looks like Al Michaels might be their guy and Troy Aikman. Which, I think sorry to, I love that pairing. Sorry to jump in here. Speaking oh, of ahead. Netflix, how dare you raise my price up to $15? I'm about to be cutting <laughs> Netflix out of the equation if they don't get sports. Well, I, I guess part of it, and I'm blown away with this, they so Netflix had set a subscriber goal and they didn't hit it. So on Saturday, or I guess from Friday into Saturday, their stock price dropped twenty percent after they failed to secure what was considered to be like three percent of the human population it was aiming for. So Basically, $50 billion was knocked off its total market cap. So there you go, Josh. That's probably why it's being raised. I'm not even lying right now, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm having a hard time finding the redeeming factors in keeping Netflix. I'm not even kidding. It's Seinfeld, that's it. uh, The Seinfelds are on there, right? The Unsolved Mysteries, which they've made two seasons of it, and that's it. They haven't done anything more. I mean, it's almost like I'm finding more quality stuff where people are talking about Apple TV. I mean, with the Ted Lassos and even, hell, the Paramount Pluses. So I I get it. I get it. But you start getting sports on there, we're in a completely different world. All right, news is next to take us home. The streaming Splank sports the road. wars. Here we go. Giddy up. Oh, I think it's coming. I think it's absolutely coming. News to take us home is next. So, uh, two quick things. I know you got a little news to get out. I've been texting with our man David Goodspeed at OEC Fiber, who, by the way, if you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, it's kind of funny during the commercial breaks, uh, they'll start laying out, here are the top five songs by Metallica. And uh, I guess during a commercial break, the top three thumbed-up Van Halen songs were all during the David Roth era, which is cool. Um, But uh, DG brings up a great point. The amount of money being spent on streaming sports NFL is staggering. Staggering. The amount of traffic that Amazon is preparing for is staggering. Billions of dollars are being spent in each league. So obviously you need OEC fiber, right? But he streaming is is absolutely the next big frontier for the national or for sports. It really is. We're seeing it somewhat on ESPN Plus. Right, and we see how frustrating it is too. I also say this: cutting the cable, uh, cutting the cord. Excuse me, not always the best idea. 
<laughs> you know, now you're ending up having to find five different entities in order to find your way where you need to be. Yeah, we need streaming gosh, cable. I... It's really right. what we need. We need some sort of package where we can have them all together in one place. That way you don't have to go from Netflix but... to Hulu to yeah. Apple Plus. It's like, ugh. Goodness gracious, it, it, and here, here's one home more. button again on my television. Yeah, exactly. i got to go back, and i got to pause it and get the buffer built up. And, and Charles brings up a fair point, but I want to remind you guys of something. Let me read Charles' tweet. Chris, the reason the pack need to blow some things up is they are $43 million over the cap next year um, of $208 million and change. Franchise Adams? A twenty million cap hit on top of the forty-four mil. Time to go get as many picks as you can. Okay. Well, first of all, the salary cap doesn't exist. I don't know how else to tell you that. But all of these conversations from Spotrack and over the cap, I still have yet to see anyone with salary cap problems have to do anything but cut an aging veteran that didn't do anything anywhere else he went anyway. And. The Saints were allegedly $300 million over the cap like two years ago, and they ended up making the playoffs. It's like, oh, I don't know what the Saints can do with this cap problem. I just, when people talk about cap problems, it's it's like someone knocking on my door and asking me if I want to join a Mormon church or if I want to buy a candy bar from them. I'm like, eh, listen, I'm not really here to buy that right now because I don't, I don't get it. Cap problems are BS. And you can't trade Devontae Adams. You just got to let him go. So who are you getting draft picks for? Aaron Rodgers? That's it. You don't. You're set, man. I, don't don't buy into this. Oh, we're so far over the cap. It never ends up being an issue, ever. All ever. Oh, the Cowboys are in such cap hell. And what do they do? They keep signing people. I just I. You got a good cap guy. You can survive. They're gonna be okay. They're not blowing it up. We never got to the news, did we? I'm sorry. The news is goodbye. See you guys tomorrow at the Plank Show. Steely and Thuner next. <laughs>